0: Heavenly Father, we just want to take this time and say thank you for doing things that we can see, answering prayers that we have prayed. And Lord, we do understand this is not about us. It's not about our ability to pray. It's about your ability to answer and to do things. And Lord, we're thankful that the responsibility of our service for you is not ours alone. It's it's not under our determination, but... You've given us a book called the Bible. You've given us a church. You've given us so many wonderful things. And Lord, we thank you that you do answer prayer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Go ye kids. I guess that's all we need to say, right? And uh, now that's what we call the children's program on Sunday nights. is go ye kids and submissions. Uh, They're learning about missions and missionaries, and uh, tonight we're going to try to finish our synopsis, our harmony of the gospel uh, record. We uh, got last week to the resurrection, and the resurrection happened Sunday morning, just as the sun was peering over the horizon, just before the full sunrise, uh, as The uh, earthquake and the angels uh, came down and rolled the stone away. They tell us that that stone could have weighed easily as much as 5,000 pounds. And uh, I just love the thought, being a New Yorker, of the angel coming down, the ground shaking, and the angel takes that stone and rolls it away. There was a block and a, a lock there, apparently, that sealed the tomb. There was also the Roman seal uh that had been placed there at the request of the chief priest and the Pharisees and and uh those they understood more than the disciples did and it said just roll that stone away now just imagine the physical strength i mean uh the thing is uh when i was a kid i guess it was uh, what was it the bionic man or something like that uh uh, talk about cornball television, I mean, that's at its best. Now we have all of these uh, 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 parahumans or enhanced individuals and who, who can do great things. But the Roman soldiers did not have the benefit of comic books and uh, computer-generated graphics and television. Uh, in fact, they had never seen anything like this, never would again. This angel floats down out of the sky glowing in just in the pre-dawn and takes a 5,000-pound stone and breaks the seal and just rolls it away like you would an old tire. And, you know, just being that I'm a New Yorker, I just think that the angel sat there on the tomb and said, Come on, boys, let's get it on. And, uh, of course, we know what happened. They fainted as dead men. Uh, They did the only bright thing. Uh, that uh, as we go through the events of that day, uh, they were the only people who actually responded the way they should. Everybody else was in a dither. Uh, when Jesus appeared to the disciples in the evening, Luke tells us that they were trying to climb out the window. The only problem was they were in an upper room. Uh, that first step would have been uh, rather harmful to their health. I mean, they were scared out of their lives. The Roman soldiers... Uh, then uh, woke up or gained their presence when uh, mind as the angels left and they took off. And then we have the record beginning in uh, as Mary Magdalene and two other women, uh, another woman named Mary, uh, the three of them come to the tomb, and, and they're having a discussion. And and I hope you don't mind, I'd just like to kind of put this in a narrative and let you just read the Bible passages as they're all outlined here as they are walking up to the tomb trying to figure out how they're going to roll the stone away to put spices on the body. They know nothing of the Roman seal that was placed there by by, uh, the Roman soldiers during the Sabbath day. Uh, 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 as they were uh, resting there. And they get there, and the stone is rolled away. The tomb is empty. Mary Magdalene immediately begins a trip back to where the disciples are to get the disciples. The other two women stay there, look inside the tomb. And uh, why don't we just uh, turn in our Bibles to Matthew 28, and we can kind of read Matthew's narrative here. And we'll pick up others. It says, "...in the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to see the sepulcher. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. His countenance was like lightning, and his raiment white as snow. And for fear of him, the keepers did shake and became as dead men." And the angel answered and said unto the women, Fear not ye, for I know that ye seek Jesus, which was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen, as he said. Come see the place where the Lord lay. And so uh, the women now return to see Jesus. In the meantime, Mary Magdalene has gotten back to the upper room. She tells Peter and John, and they come running to the tomb. And uh, that story is related to us uh, uh, more fully in John chapter 20. And uh, John outruns Jesus. He gets to the tomb first. He looks in, and the Bible says he believes. Peter gets there. He looks in. They examine the grave clothes. Uh, here's how we know the Shroud of Turin is a total fake is because there was the clothes that were wrapped around the body like a giant cocoon and then the napkin that had been over his face laid separately. The Shroud of Turin is just one piece of cloth that pictures uh, as uh, the the image on the cloth is both behind and before as they would have laid the body on and then wrapped the cloth over the top. So you had the back image on part of it in the front and by the way, uh, they did examine the blood stains on the Shroud of Turin and uh, uh, they could not find any red blood cells. Uh, but they found particles of red ochre, which is a red pigment dye uh, that they used in medieval paint. And, and so, uh, anyway, we will keep moving on. We do not need the Shroud of Turin. It is a fake, it's a forgery. We believe the biblical record. Amen. And uh so, as we uh keep moving on, they leave. Mary is staying there, weeping at the tomb. And then Jesus appears. And Mary, supposing him to be the gardener, says, If you'll just tell me where the body is, Jesus speaks one word. Mary. She immediately recognizes the voice. And by the way... You know, we, as we'll go through this, the disciples were having a little difficulty recognizing the resurrected Lord. But he was withholding his glory. He was showing them himself in his glorified, his resurrected state. Not the full glory, of course, of the uh, everlasting God, but certainly, uh, he was Uh, appearing to them, and even as we get to the men on the road to Emmaus, Jesus literally closed their minds that they could not recognize him until after he disappeared. And so, what we have is Mary mangling the the women going, they go to the tomb, Mary runs back, Uh, the other two women see the angel, they go back, Peter and John come. Mary follows them. They leave. She stays there. Jesus appears to her. And Jesus tells Mary not to touch him. He said, I must ascend into my God and to your God. Well, apparently just a few moments later, while the the first two ladies that had stayed while Mary Magdalene ran back, Jesus appears to them. And the Bible tells us in the book of Matthew that they held him by his feet. And of course, we believe that Jesus had finished the eternal, the work of eternal redemption, having sprinkled his blood on the mercy seat in heaven. And he tells them to go tell the disciples. So by the time this is all done... Mary and the other women are there and they're telling the disciples that Jesus is risen. The two women said, we and Mary said, we have seen the risen Lord. And what did the disciples do? Don't think so. You must have had a vision. And that wasn't Jesus. They they could not uh, believe him. And while this is going on, now we have the soldiers knocking at the door of the chief priest said we got a problem I said well what 's the problem? Well, you are the one that arranged this uh, 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 guarding the tomb and all of this, and there's nobody in the tomb now, I want you to stop and think about something. if you were the chief priest and you had gone to Pilate three days before the day of the crucifixion to get the tomb guarded and now you have the guards the Roman soldiers coming and knocking on your door early Monday morning I mean Sunday morning let me get this right uh, early Sunday morning saying the tomb is empty they saw this guy floating down out of the sky now the chief priest didn't believe in angels and superhuman strength, rolling a 5,000-pound stone out of the socket and sitting on it, I will tell you, the chief priest had already decided they would never believe in Jesus no matter what. You see, these are some of the same people that had taunted Jesus saying, if you come off the cross, we'll believe you're the Christ. No, they wouldn't. If Jesus had come off the cross, they would have went screaming to the governor governor and said, put him back, put him back. They they had already made up their mind. They would not believe no matter what. There was, um, well, let's just keep going on. And so, Matthew gives us the story, the scriptures are there, that they held a little council there at the chief priest's home, and they came up with a story. In fact, I have a Jewish history book and uh, that was left here by the synagogue, and one of the first things I did was look up Jesus Christ, any references in the resurrection, just to see what was in there. This story out of Matthew was in the Jewish history books. That the, that the soldiers reported that the disciples... It was not reported as it is in the Bible that it's a fake made-up story by the chief priest. But it was reported that the disciples of Jesus stole his body while he slept. Just like the Bible says, it is reported among the Jews unto this day. Well, we could say unto this day because it's still reported that way. Uh, They do not want to believe that because if they did... They would have to believe that Jesus is the Son of God. So, sometime after all of this event, I like to say the busiest place in Jerusalem, Resurrection Sunday morning, was the door of the tomb of Jesus. The door of Jesus' empty tomb. I mean, half the people in the city were running back and forth between this one place. And some brake bulb years ago came up with the idea that, oh, it was a mistaken tomb. They, they went to the wrong tomb. Well, if that were true, the Romans were guarding the wrong tomb. Uh, all of these different trips were to the wrong tomb. I mean, so many people had to be mistaken that it becomes an impossibility for that to have happened. Not that many people could be wrong about the same place. Amen? And so, sometime this day, this is reported in 1 Corinthians 15:5, Jesus appears to Peter. Because Peter was the apostle that had denied that he knew the Lord three different times. In fact, he cursed and he swore the last time. After that, nobody asked him again because Jesus' disciples just didn't talk that way. And. Then, we have two disciples on the road to Emmaus. Uh, I think I figured it out about one time. It's about a seven-mile trip, so, I mean, you could walk that in an hour, hour and 20 minutes. Hour, if you're kind of jogging. Hour and 20 minutes or so, if it's a normal walk. Uh, you'd have to be walking at a pretty good pace to get that done. But... The, uh, disciples, uh, these two men were there. Jesus walks with them and explains to them the whole situation and they impose upon him and saying, come on, it's the end of the day. Just eat dinner with us. Jesus sits down, breaks the bread and disappears. They immediately take off back for Jerusalem. They get there and they, uh, tell the disciples that we had seen the resurrected Lord. And the ladies are saying, yes, we've seen the resurrected Lord. And Peter says, I've seen the resurrected Lord. And Jesus appears in their midst, walks through the locked doors. And I love Luke's account that they were terrified. And of course, you and I would be too. Uh, it was hard for them to believe and understand that Jesus actually had risen from the dead. And I will tell you, the first time Jesus appeared to all the eleven apostles was Sunday evening. You have to remember, in the Jewish world, Sunday was the first day of the week. It was their Monday. It was their regular work day. And so Jesus appeared at the end of the day... Sunday evening, and that's one of the reasons I don't want to give up a Sunday evening service. It's just me. Well, it's not just me. Uh, We've had a Sunday evening service for a long time, and one of the reasons we have a Sunday evening service is because that's the first church service. And what what we've tried to do here at our church is make our Sunday evening service uh, a time of simple, practical Christian teaching. We have the... The children's class and then our teenagers have a, uh, discipleship lessons right now during the prayer time. We're, but we're trying, we're trying to make this a time of good fellowship among us as church members, practical Christian teaching and preaching from the Bible and prayer. If an army travels on its belly, a church travels on its knees. A church will only be as healthy as its prayer life is. And that was one of the reasons for this morning's service. And uh, I praise the Lord. We've got a pretty good attendance here tonight. And we we need to be serious about prayer. We really, really do. And And so Thomas, of course, wasn't there. And then the following Sunday night, Jesus appears to the disciples again. Thomas is there. And let's go to John chapter 20. I I just love this account here. Uh, We call him Doubting Thomas because of what he did and what he said. The disciples said that they had seen him. And he says in verse 25, Except I shall see in his hands the print of the nails and put my finger into the print of the nails and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. Verse 26, And after eight days again his disciples were within, and Thomas with them. Then came Jesus, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst, and said, Peace be unto you. Then saith he to Thomas, Reach hither thy finger, and behold my hands, and reach hither my hand, and thrust it into my side, and be not faithless, but believing. And Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord and my God. Verse 29, Jesus saith unto him, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are they that have not seen, and yet have believed. Let me ask you a question. Is it an unbelievable thing to believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead? I I tell you, it's not. The account of the Bible stories... One preacher put it this way many years ago. He said, either Jesus did rise from the dead, as the apostles said, or you have so many impossibilities that it is impossible for the story to have been dreamed up. Because not one of the apostles cracked or said it was a fake. All of them went to their death believing that Jesus had risen from the dead. Uh, the Mafia has a pretty good record with Jimmy Hoffa's demise, but that's the only one. They found all the other bodies. I mean, they, they know the stories. Uh, someone will tell. And uh, the, the uh, truth of the matter is we follow the Bible evidence and... It demands that you believe in the resurrection. It just, there's no other alternative. So then Jesus appears to the disciples in Galilee, first to the seven disciples at the Sea of Galilee. And this again is kind of a repeat of Luke chapter 5. As they are out fishing all night, uh, many have surmised that Peter said, I'm done. I'm going back to being a fisherman, and the other disciples said, okay, we're going to follow you and just be fishermen again. We'll pretend like this whole thing didn't happen, and they don't catch anything, and then Jesus appears on the shore there and uh, tells them to cast on the right side of the boat, and John looks at Peter and says, it's the Lord. And Peter jumps into the water uh, just a little ways from shore and swims in and and stands there before the Lord and the other disciples bring the net, and of course, if you're harold camping, uh, you say the number of fish in the net, or the number of uh, nations in the world divided by the uh, baskets that were left over from the Lord's uh, from the feeding of the five thousand, and you can find out when Jesus didn't come back. Amen. Uh, literally, that's some of the math that's in his book. I, I love to just make fun of it. I hope you don't mind. Uh, uh, no one is wrong about everything except Harold Camping. Uh, I don't know anything that man was right about. It was just tragic. And um, yet people want to make a great deal. Uh, they want to uh, go into the Greek and try to compare the words that are here. And uh, our our purpose isn't to go through the entire narrative of this story, but uh, I would like to just take a few minutes here. Verse 12 of John chapter 21, Jesus saith unto them, Come and dine, and none of the disciples durst ask him, Who art thou, knowing that it was the Lord? Jesus then cometh, and taketh bread, and giveth them, and fish likewise." This is now the third time that Jesus showed himself to his disciples after that he was risen from the dead. So when they had dined, Jesus saith to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, lovest thou me more than these? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my lambs. He saith unto him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Could I challenge you? In the biblical record, Peter had denied his love for the Lord three times. In the biblical record, Jesus gave Peter an opportunity to affirm his love for the Lord three times. I don't think we ought to take it any further than that. And he told Peter, I want you to feed my lambs, feed my sheep. And feed my sheep. Do you think the Lord was trying to get something across to Peter? You see, in Peter, when he wrote his first uh, letter in chapter 5, in verse 1, he says, Unto the elders I write, who am also an elder. You know what? Peter was not... When he was with the disciples that night that Jesus was betrayed, what did he say? He said, I'll die for you. He said, I'll be I'll be the one. If nobody else, I'm going to be true. Well, he wasn't, was he? And what Jesus was doing was saying, Peter, you don't have to compare yourself to anybody else. You don't have to be bigger, smarter, stronger. You're not the leader. Peter, just follow me. And again, that message is reiterated in the next few verses as Peter's turning around saying, what about John? And Jesus says, if I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? Follow thou me. And if you're going to follow Jesus as a preacher, what are you going to do? You're going to feed the sheep. Amen? And so this was the third time it tells us, so it actually you should have to, uh, right, first to the seven apostles here, and then, uh, the Bible tells us that Jesus was in a mountain. Uh, Paul writes in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 that there were over 500 at one time. It says that Uh, that they believed, but some doubted. There were some people there who were actually eyewitnesses of the resurrected Lord that still doubted it was Jesus. Then, sometime in this 40 days between the crucifixion and Jesus' ascension, he appears to James, his half-brother. James, that's told us in 1 Corinthians 15, it, it James was the man that would become the pastor of the church at Jerusalem James the brother of John one of the three intimate disciples he was the first to feel the martyr's blade as Herod would kill as Herod did execute him in Acts chapter 12 John would continue all the way up to about 100 AD uh, 70 years after the time of Jesus Christ, and he would give us the book of Revelation, which we believe was uh, uh, written somewhere between 95 and 105 A.D., depending on whose commentary or book you read. And Peter would have died sometime in the early 60s A.D. Uh, uh, the Catholics like to say that he went to Rome and was killed by Nero, We have no evidence that Peter was ever in Rome. Uh, They try to say that he was crucified upside down. All that Jesus said was, When thou art old, thou shalt stretch forth thine hands, and another shall gird thee, and carry thee whither thou wouldest not. Now, when you were crucified, you weren't girded. You were ungirded, uh, trying to be as careful as we can the crucifixion was a shameful thing and uh it said that he would stretch out his arms and they would carry him somewhere where he didn't want to go so we if you can make any sense of that please tell me i i don't know what that really means maybe he was carried to a a place where there were wild animals or gladiators or the romans executed many christians that way um Uh, we just do not know. And if we needed to know, God would tell us, now wouldn't he? And so, then we have the ascension as Jesus gave the great commission to his apostles. He told them to wait in Jerusalem. It was about ten days. They waited in the upper room between the Jesus' ascension and the day of Pentecost. Now, I'd like you to turn with me to John chapter 20, verse 30 and 31. John kind of just gives a summary of all things that are in the gospel here. He says, In many other signs, Truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the God the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through his name. You know, it's amazing to me that people were always trying to find new things about Jesus. They're looking up in the Gospel of Thomas and All of these other spurious books that we know were not written by the people who were claimed to be, they were claimed to be written by. They're not good books, they're not quality, but. Would any honest person need anything more than what's in the Bible to know who Jesus is and what he did? If this isn't enough for you, nothing will be enough. That's what John's telling us. You don't need to know everything, but you have enough, as recorded in the Bible, to believe on Jesus, to believe He is who He said He was and is. And then we go to John chapter 21, the last two verses. This is the disciple which testifieth of these things and wrote these things, and we know that his testimony is true. And there are also many other things which Jesus did, the which... If they should be written, everyone, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that should be written. Amen. John is just simply saying, you have all the evidence you need written in the testimony of, John said, in my testimony. uh, And certainly in the Bible. And he said, if we tried to write everything. He said, what he's really saying here is the Bible would be so big and so voluminous that no one could read the whole Bible. It it would just... God has given us, if you stop and think about it, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, he has given us the record of the life of Jesus Christ. The writer of Hebrews tells us that it is the greatest revelation God has given to mankind. We have the fourfold gospel. Uh, Yes, some of the events are out of order as they should have happened, but what we have is just simple narratives given by four men of the life of Christ. More than ample evidence for any honest person to believe that Jesus is who he said he is. Because he hasn't changed. You know, people try to... Well, Jesus began at Bethlehem's manger. No, Jesus told the the Pharisees and the Sadducees in the temple in John chapter 8, Before Abraham was, I am. They understood what he was saying. They picked up stones to try to stone him. In the temple? They're going to break the commandments of God in the temple. That's how vicious and mindless they were. And as we've gone through these Gospels, and really on this page you have basically almost every reference, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and how it fits into the Gospel story printed here. Uh, you can keep this as a as a quick reference guide to the Gospels. And... Uh, Read through these stories uh, and follow what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches us that everything we need. Let's just take one minute here. First Peter. wait a minute. Second Peter, I'm sorry. Second Peter, chapter 1. Verse 3, according as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. Everything that we need, we will gain in this life by learning about Jesus. That's one of the reasons why we've gone through this, especially I know everything, we just finished we're finishing the New Testament in two weeks in in our Sunday school time, so we've just gone through the Gospels uh, over a period of weeks in the story by story. And uh, now we have uh, gone through somewhat of a harmony here of all four Gospels. Uh, we've tried to divide Jesus life up into areas of time here, and you can read the passages of Scripture. And John finishes by telling us that everything we need is right here. Peter says, all that pertain unto life and godliness are through the knowledge of him. Get to know who Jesus is. And you will have what you need to live for him. And that's what our church is about, by God's grace. Amen? And so let's strive together to live for Jesus in these last days. Let's pray. Let's take a few moments here.